Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell. Clay Patton filling in for Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network here. And Susan working on some exciting news. I know Husker Harvest Day is a little ways away, but she's already got some ideas for our building. So stay tuned for those type of updates. Let's turn our attention now back to the markets as we come to a close on a week that really has seen some volatility. It's seen some big data numbers for the WASD. And we have no one else but Kent Beadle with CHS Hedging and Ag and Risk Consulting here to kind of walk us through and guide us what's happened in the week's trade, how to look at this going forward from a risk management perspective and I start here in the grain trade Kent as we look across on the just the weekly trade as a whole corn is going to end down on Friday and as a week it's going to end down just about one and a quarter but really when you look at some of its oscillators and stuff this is a pretty strong weekly close the fact that it didn't close any lower than one and a quarter on the week yeah I think for a couple of reasons number one uh, you know on Monday afternoon after we made our highs for the week we got a uh, crop condition rating uh, that was at 75% good to excellent. Yeah, that drove a pretty significant sell-off on Tuesday. But you know, by week's end, we had managed to rally on Thursday into the USDA S&D numbers. We actually were able to get a quarter cent higher settlement on July corn here today, uh, and uh, so you know, we ended up in the higher half of the of the week's range after. Um, uh, another uh, piece of bearish news in terms of crop conditions, and I thought that that was, you know, uh, a pretty decent performance. The other thing that I would say, um, you know, was supportive for the corn market uh, or supportive in terms of the way you might view price action is the fact that crude oil and gasoline both fell at the end of this past week. Um, that had to do with some of the comments from Fed Chairman Powell on uh, on his press conference on uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, some of those comments were construed as maybe being uh, a little less supportive for the overall U.S. economy, at least relative to the way that the, the stock market and the crude oil market had been trading. And uh, to see those markets sell off, but to see the corn market, which has some ties to uh, uh, the gasoline market, still manage to to hold on to gains on Thursday and Friday, I think that's a pretty doggone good overall price performance. It's great to see it. Kent, as we look here in the broader market spectrum, this week we had a lot of data in the grains. Like you said, we had the USDA supply and demand report. We had crop progress out as we do every week. Uh, we had some really strong export sales. Now we're going to have about a two-week hiatus before we see those final planting numbers come out from NAS and USDA. How much can the macro markets have an influence in this dead space without a ton of data emerging on the crops? Well, um, you know, I think... I think the macro markets, you know, have been underlying, uh, given us a little bit of support, um, you know, and of course, one of the things that's been happening in the macro markets is that as, uh, you know, as crude oil has been climbing, the stock market's been climbing, the dollar actually has been moving lower. Uh, and, you know, it actually reversed higher on Thursday at the same time the stock market and crude oil reversed lower. So, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that we would watch out for ahead of those um, reports here uh, at the end of June is whether or not the U.S. dollar uh, continues to correct higher or um, whether that was a couple-day correction and whether or not the dollar starts to move lower again. Our bias is that dollar might, might start moving lower again because of the extraordinarily high amount of fiscal stimulus that's been uh, uh, 
created and you know the the additional money that is now in the supply that was uh, uh you know provided by both the federal reserve uh through its lending facilities as well as congress uh through the bills that it has passed you know we're talking about you know 3 to 4 trillion dollars of stimulus that the that uh that we've seen pushed into the economy and you know all that additional money supply uh you know simple economics right so additional supply of dollars typically uh has a tendency to press down on the value of the dollar over time and that's what we would uh, uh expect to see happening going forward if that doesn't happen in the next 2 weeks uh then it might be a little bit harder for the commodities to continue to rally. Let's go ahead and talk soybeans for a little bit. This week's export sales from USDA, very, very strong, over 2 million metric tons for the current and next marketing years. And China was a notable buyer. We saw some uh, USDA flash sales here towards the end of the week with China and unknown destinations. Is that what's keeping soybeans in the hunt right now? Oh, absolutely. And, in fact, um, we think that the soybean market is, remarkably uh, um, calm regarding these purchases. Uh, we don't think the marketplace is reacting um, as strongly as we think that it probably should be. Uh, ultimately, we think that uh, the Chinese are going to be uh, consistent buyers uh, over the course of the next number of months, probably through the end of the year and into January until they start to cover their needs for February, March, April, where you end up getting the the Brazilian crop then will once again uh, be the most economical to purchase in those time frames. But um, we are very impressed with the fact that uh, the Chinese are continuing to not just buy new crop uh, for that Ocno-Vis time period, but they're also buying uh, old crop uh, um, bushels as well. And, you know, it's it's been in very impressive quantities. You mentioned the uh, 2.2 million tons that we had last week. Uh, we've seen daily flashes here this week that probably equate to about another million tons. And uh, when all is said and done, I would be, uh, I'd be surprised if it didn't actually add up to something a little bit more than that uh, on next Thursday's sales report. So I think it's very substantial. I think it's very important. Um, and uh, it's resulting in stronger basis levels. It's resulting in uh, tighter spreads uh, here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, the, the old grain marketing 101 saying, if, uh, if the basis is improving and the spreads are tightening, you know, a futures rally is soon to follow, and that's what we expect to happen here. We're going to talk about those spreads and much more here with Kent Beadle of CHS Hedging and Agsuria and Risk Consulting coming up on the second segment of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Do remember, trading, risk, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as we're talking with Kent Beadle, CHS Hedging and Agsuri and Risk Consulting. And in our first segment, we talked corn, we talked soybeans. Corn realistically having a fairly decent week. We've gotten a lot of data behind us now. But something to really be key in watching, and one I was particularly watching today, is the corn Kansas City wheat spread. But Kent, right now, what are the spreads to be taking note of, and, and what are they trying to tell the market? Well, uh, first of all, the soybean spread, um, you know whether it whether we're looking at the uh, at the July August 
which is tightened up here into about a penny, uh, or even, you know, very interesting that the um, uh, the November-March spread in soybeans has moved back to an inverse. Um, these are all indications that uh, that the amount of available supply of soybeans relative uh, to the demand for soybeans is is just not adequate, and so it is uh, attempting to get owners of soybeans uh, to move those beans because they're not going to be given uh, any monetary value for carrying them. That's essentially what's going on there. Um, you know, as far as the corn spreads go, uh, you know, the, the, the corn spread is uh, uh, July 7th, settled the week out at about four and a half cents, and uh, that's about unchanged on the week. Uh, has traded out as wide as maybe a nickel, uh, but given the size of the U.S. carryout, which uh, the USDA currently forecasts at about 2.1 billion bushels, um, that is you know, there's a disconnect there somewhere. Um, those corn spreads are actually quite a bit tighter than the underlying fundamentals suggest, okay? And I really believe that what the corn spreads are telling us, as well as corn basis levels, which have been coming back as well, I think that those spreads and basis levels are telling us that there is not as much corn uh, out there and available as what um, the USDA says there is. Uh, if if the marketplace truly believed that that much corn was out there, uh, the marketplace would be trying an, an awful lot harder to pre, uh, to keep some bushels off the market and to incent uh, storage into the future. Um, I am aware of a lot of corn that has that has been moving here over the course of the winter. Uh, the quality of the corn crop from last year was not particularly great. A lot of farmers have not been happy uh, about, um, you know, the, the storability of the crop and have tried to move the corn on through the system. And I really believe that uh, a lar- you know, that 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 people who think that the, the the corn crop hasn't moved and that the farmer owns more of it than he normally does. I think they're going to prove to be wrong. I think the spreads are telling us that there's just less bushels available. And I expect that when we see future balance sheets from the USDA, we're going to start to see those carryouts tighten up. And it'll be interesting to see how that does play out. Now, one grain we haven't talked about yet is wheat. And harvest is really starting to move through those southern plains, hearing it getting up closer to southern Kansas into the northern parts of Oklahoma. Last week, we were to 7% complete on the crop progress. We'll see just how much that jumps week to week. But right now, typically, there's kind of the seasonal that wheat wants to sell as it goes through harvest. Is that setting up this year? Oh, yeah. Um, You know, there's... uh... There's a there's strong seasonality in our grain markets, and the marketplace knows and understands that that harvest is right in front of us, and therefore it it tends to uh, it tends to put the futures prices on or near the lows during that time frame, and uh, that's exactly what's happening. Um, uh, in this case, we're we're really not necessarily making uh, new lows, so to speak. We actually uh, made our our lows in the in the Kansas City July wheat. Uh, you know that contract was all the way back last summer, 
and then here uh, on the COVID break in March, and we haven't actually dropped down to that level yet, but we are um, at the near the lowest levels uh, that we've traded since uh, early May, and um, uh, it's not surprising that we would be soft going into harvest just because of the seasonality of the marketplace. Just broadly, Weaves, we've got about a minute left here, Kent. What should farmers be thinking about right now? Obviously, they're trying to take as best care of their crops. What should be kind of in the back of their mind for their marketing plan this time of year? Well, um, as far as a marketing plan goes, um, you know, the, the thing about current price levels is that they're just not they're just not very attractive. And in fact, to be quite frank about it, they're not very profitable right now. And, you know, given some of the things that, you know, I've been talking about when it comes to basis levels and spreads, um, especially with corn and beans, um, you know, we're advising having some patience uh, for some sort of a weather rally to develop or for those June reports to maybe provide some spark uh, to get the uh, large embedded shorts in the marketplace to cover their positions. And when they move to cover their positions, we think that we could get a big enough rally that we would start to execute some some marketing. But we're just not all that interested in doing it at this point in time. Uh, in the wheat markets, um, you know, we see some uh, fairly sizable carries in Kansas City wheat uh, because there still is, you know, a fairly solid amount of supply. Uh, so some sort of a post-harvest rally um, then selling against those carrying charges for those who have storage, that's, you know, that's, the, that's the direction that we would be making recommendations is to, is to be looking out against the, the backside of the carry and uh, using small rallies to lock in um, uh, some more profitable levels in wheat. Kent, as we come here to the end of another Fontenelle final bell, what is the best way for producers who've been listening to our conversation reach out to you so they can continue it for their own operations? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we can be reached at 800-851-0892. You know, we also have a web presence, uh, www.chshedging.com or if you're interested in our AgSurian consulting program, www.agsurian.com, spelled A-G-S-U-R-I-O-N.com. And again, Kent Beadle, he's with CHS Hedging and AgSurian Risk Consulting. This has been the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Thank you to Fontenelle and all their hybrid dealers in the area for their support of the program. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. 